Good morning. Glad you could join us for worship this morning as I was uh, looking at the passage. We're going to be back in uh, 1 Corinthians today. We took a brief detour last week for Easter, but we're back in 1 Corinthians this week. And as I was thinking about this passage, I was reading an article uh, this week. We're actually going to be at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 2, the beginning of chapter 3, which if you want to follow along in the pew Bibles that look like this, will be on page 619. And uh, as I was thinking about this passage this week and uh, just reflecting on it, and I was reading a few articles and different things, and I read one in Time magazine, and it was talking about uh, one of the latest uh, polls that the Pew Forum does. If you've ever heard of the Pew Forum, they do reports. Basically, they uh, do lots of polls on what people believe, and and they ask a lot of questions about that. And so it's always interesting to read uh, just kind of where we are in our country and and in the world and our beliefs. And and so what I was reading is, is what it said in this Time magazine, is it says in the latest Pew report, they say, Almost one in five Americans now identify themselves as spiritual, but not religious. Right? That's, it's almost its own category now. They say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And so the, the article goes on to say, so in other words, they have some feeling, some intuition of something greater, but they feel allergic to institutions. And so as I was reading uh, through this, and then I was reading some other articles and really trying to get a definition on, the, on what people really mean when they say that I'm spiritual, but not religious. And, and what you come to uh, and, and just reading these different articles and looking at this, or if you go to, let's say, uh, Barnes and Noble and you go to the spirituality section in Barnes and Noble, you'll get a view real quickly that people mean a lot of different things when they talk about being spiritual, but not religious. And it means very different to a lot of different people. But what you get to is, is this idea is that I have some feeling, some intuition inside of me that I'm I'm spiritual in some way and I don't really need anyone to tell me about it and I'm going to figure that out for myself. And so that's what it ends up being. And so with one in five Americans saying that they're spiritual but not religious, that's kind of that's almost 20 percent of, of Americans saying that's where they are now. thought it's, it's good that we're in First Corinthians and we're in the passage we're in today, because really what Paul's going to do is he's going to address this idea and he's really going to define for us what spiritual looks like biblically, what the Bible says, what it means to be spiritual. And so when we have so many people saying, well, I'm spiritual, it would be good to hear what God's word says on, on the matter, as we started this morning with Isaiah chapter 40, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And so God's word comes to bear on what it means to actually be spiritual. And that's really what we're going to look at this morning. And so before we do, let's pray. And then we're going to look at these verses together at the end of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is eternal, that we can trust your word, that we can come to it, that we can get answers about who we are and who you are and the way that we relate to you. We pray this morning that your spirit would move in this place and that you would open our eyes to see you clearly for who you are, your your majesty and your excellence and the way that you love us and your grace that you've poured out on us in Jesus. And we pray that you would just reveal that to us today as we spend time in your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we do this this morning, uh, what we're going to get to is really what Paul says and the way he goes at this, the way these verses kind of unfold is there's a few different people he's talking about. And he kind of puts all of us really into three categories. And that's what we're going to look at. And our, our outline, I like to do the questions so we can go to the text and let those answer them. There's an outline towards the back of the bulletin. If you're visiting with us, it's in there every week. And these are the three questions we're looking at. This idea of, of the way Paul divides it into these different categories. So first, what are they? What are the categories he goes to? Secondly, how are they different? And then lastly, today, I just want us to end by thinking about which one are you? 
Because we all really fall into one one spot or another the way Paul lays us out. And so that's what we're going to ask. What are they? How are they different and which one are you? So let's just start with what they are. And we're going to just real briefly here at the beginning, I'm going to go back and go into some more depth, but I just want to establish the categories that he puts there for us right at the beginning. And so we're going to look at verse 14. That's the first one there. And he calls them the natural person. But to get the context of what we're doing and where we are in first Corinthians, we need to go back to verse 12. And so, Chris, if you remember, two weeks ago, took us through these verses and what we're seeing in uh, Corinth, just the context here is the people are are kind of they're fighting and there's factions there and all these things. And Paul's just reminding them, he's going, you became a Christian, you came to God through the Holy Spirit moving and you saw what Jesus has done and it shouldn't be this way. And he's reminding them that it's all God's doing. And so I'm going to pick up there in verse 12 and then we'll, we're really hitting on verse 14 here. So now we have not or we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then he goes into this, is the first category here, the first person, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so I just say the first category that Paul gives us when we ask, well, what are they? What are the categories? The first one is the natural person. That's what he calls them, the natural person. And what he's saying they are is they are ones that have rejected God's spirit and the way God's revealing himself through the Holy Spirit. And those things are folly to them. They don't they don't make sense to them. And so what, what we have and what, what we see big idea, biblically speaking, is this, that 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 the only way that we um, have that, that the only way that we truly are spiritual is through the Holy Spirit moving and coming into our lives. And the Bible clearly teaches that we put our faith in Christ and then God pours the Holy Spirit out on us. Uh, even even to go further, it says the Holy Spirit comes in and shows us who Jesus is and what he's doing. And so it's God's spirit moving. And so this first category is the spiritual of the natural person is the person that doesn't accept the things of the spirit of God. And so they don't see any of that and it's folly to them. And so I'm going to come back to that in a second, but we're just just laying the groundwork of what the different categories are. So that's the first one. Then look at verses 15 and 16, because then Paul switches. He says the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. And so the second category he gives is the spiritual person. So he says there's a natural person that rejects the spirit of God and the things of God. And then there's the spiritual person that has, and look at what he says there in verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. And so what Paul is showing us when he starts to talk about what a spiritual person is, is the Holy Spirit comes in and brings you to life and begins to show you. And the only way that happens is through Christ, right? And so what we get is the only way that we're truly spiritual is through the Holy Spirit. And the only way we have the Holy Spirit is by putting our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. And so that's the picture that we start to get of what a spiritual person is versus what a natural person is. But then there's a third category too here. It's a third category that's, that's very relevant to who Paul's writing to because of what's going on in the church in Corinth. And that's what we've been saying. The church in Corinth is a mess. It's a church that Paul helped plant 
uh, he came and he, he preached the gospel and he got this church up and going and then he moved on and he started doing that in different places. And then he got these letters that they're a mess, that they're not following the things that Paul had taught them and they're fighting and they're not getting along. And so this is this third category and he tells us this and you see this in, in chapter 3 verses 1 to 3 and listen to what Paul says here and this is the third, third category I get we get. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And so the third category we would get to is this. So you have the natural person that rejects the things of God. And then you have the spiritual person that puts their faith in Christ and has his spirit and he renews them and brings them to life. And then you have a third category of someone who who professes faith, who becomes a Christian, but then they go on walking out and living their life like the natural person. And so what he's saying is, yes, that you, you put your faith and you become a Christian, but you don't look like it. You're not walking by it. You're, you're still looking to yourself instead of looking to what God has done. And so what we get is these three categories of the, the natural, the spiritual, and then we'll call the third one the fleshly, because that's what Paul says. You're, you're, you're people of the flesh. Even though you have God's spirit in you, you're not walking by it. You're still walking in your flesh. You're, you're, you're looking back to your old nature, your old self. And so those are the three categories that Paul puts out here. And he says, really, we all fall into one of those categories. And most likely, if you're a Christian, you're, you're somewhere in the fleshly to spiritual somewhere in there. And, and probably back and forth and kind of up and down. That's, that's the way the Christian life often goes. And so what I want us to think about is how those are different. Right? Those are the categories, but how are they different? And I want us to think a little more deeply on each one. And so let's go back to verse 14, the natural person. We've got the Categories. Now let's look at them a little deeper. And so verse 14, I'm just going to read that again for you. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so what he tells us, the first thing about this natural person, the way he says this is that God's word and the things of God are folly to him. They don't make sense. He even goes a step further to say not only that is they is that uh, he cannot understand them. He is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And we hit on this a little bit last week, if you were with us, as we spent time thinking about what Jesus does through the resurrection for us. And we were in First Peter 3, and we, we talked about uh, Philippians 2 a little bit in there, and or, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2. And, and what we were talking about is, is that Jesus, through the resurrection and what he's done for us, causes us to come to life through his spirit. And that's the only way that we ever have that happen. We were in First Peter last week. First Peter 1 verse 3 says it this way. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so what he says in First Peter, what Peter says is that he causes us to being brought to life. And we were talking about that last week. We were talking about Ephesians 2 says that we're dead in our trespasses and our sins and that we're spiritually dead apart from what God does for us in Jesus. That's that's our natural state. That's the what Paul says, you know, the natural person, our natural person is we're sinful people. 
We're spiritually dead apart from God coming in and causing us to come to life. You know, Jesus would say it very similarly in uh, John chapter 3. If you know John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is a religious leader of the day. And he's talking and Nicodemus comes to him and he basically says, how are you doing all that you're doing, Jesus? Right. You're 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 healing people. You're doing all kinds of things. How is that possible? Right. And he's trying to figure it out and he's really seeking. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says this. And Jesus says to him, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says very similarly to what Peter says in first Peter chapter one. You have to be born again. Something has to happen. There's a spiritual eyes that you don't have. And until those are awakened, you're spiritually dead and you can't see this. And so Jesus says, even a couple of verses later in John chapter three, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so he's saying to have spiritual eyes, you have to be born. You have to be born again. You have to be spiritually alive because in our natural state, we're sinful and we're spiritually blind. We're spiritually dead. And so we need God to move and to come in and to do this. And without this awakening of our holy of the Holy Spirit working in us and showing us Jesus, showing us our need for a savior, what happens in our nature, in our natural man, the natural person that we're talking about, we look to ourselves. We look to what I do and what I can do and what I think and what I am, right? We say, I'm spiritual but not religious. I'm spiritual and I decide for me. I look to what I think about things and that's how I decide how I'm going to act. And that's what we do. That goes back to the original sin of man. God makes us to be centered on him. And we say, no, thanks. God we will do it ourselves. And we turn and we say, I'll figure this out. I've got this. Right. And that's what the natural man looks like. That's what all of us look like apart from God's grace coming into our lives and opening our eyes. And that's the natural man. That's the picture that we get here. And so if, if you hear that and you're, and you're here today and, and just trying to think through where you are and what you believe and, and maybe you are, you are the, the natural man, right, or woman, the natural person, right? It's real easy to figure out if you are or you aren't. It's fairly easy. So it's easy to discern in this, right? The, the natural man says that uh, it, it looks inwardly, looks to myself. I don't need Christ. I can do this. And the things of God are folly, And so if I say to you that God came down from heaven in the person of Jesus and he lived the life that we couldn't live and he died for us. And then he says, you put your faith in me because I have to do it for you. And you go, that's crazy. You're the natural man. You're the natural person. That's what the Bible says. And and what often happens and the reason we are is we go, "Ah, I'm okay. Yeah, I've got some problems. I've made some mistakes, but I don't need somebody to save me. Or if you look at Jesus, this is a good example to follow. Jesus is somebody that I can take what he says and I can apply it and I can do it. Then you're the natural person. You're making it what I can do. And so if you're following with what Paul's saying and what I'm telling you here, he gets to that. uh, He says that the natural person is not able to understand. You may hear that. And if that's where you are, that may sound really arrogant. That may sound really obnoxious from where you're sitting. He just said that I can't understand this. And the natural man can't understand the things of God. And if you ask that question, well, is that what you're saying, that I can't get this? And my answer would be, yes, you can't. And here's, but, but none of us can apart from what God does in and through our lives. It's only by his grace that we ever see him, that we ever admit that we're sinners that need a savior, that it has to be God's doing. 
And so the picture here is that's what we're, we're talking about is, is that God has to come in and do a work and open your eyes to see who he is and to put your faith in a savior. Otherwise, in and of ourselves, we'll always look to ourselves. And so we need God to move. And so if you, if you hear that and that's kind of where you are and you go, oh, that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Just just hear this today as you're here. If you're here today, God's working on you. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason that you're hearing God's word opened up and proclaimed and told to you, and it's that God's working. And so when you say, well, if I say you can't do it, you can't do it apart from God, but guess what? He's here and he loves you and he's working. And so it can happen through what God does. And so I just simply say that's that's the first person, the natural person that looks to themselves as opposed to looking to what God does. What about the second? We're going to do fleshly and then we'll go to the spiritual. Going out of order from the way I started, but we'll do fleshly. Next, because it's very similar in the way it looks to the natural person, but there is a difference. Look at verse uh, three of chapter three, right? Paul writing to the church in Corinth and new believers. And this is what he says to him. You are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And so I want you just to see what's going on here when we talk about the fleshly person. And he's writing to those that are believers in the church in Corinth. And he's saying they are Christians, but this is the way they're acting. They're jealous and they're fighting and they're not getting along and there's strife. He says that earlier in chapter one. I've heard that you guys are quarreling all the time and you're not. And some are saying, I follow, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. And there's all these divisions and all these things. And he says, this is a mess. And so what you get is this picture is, yes, they put their faith and they've admitted I need a savior. I need to God to God to come in and do what I can't do for me. But then practically in living that out, they're stepping right back to the old self. And, and I say that because you see with what's going on, because there's jealousy and because there's strife and because there's fighting and there's divisions and all these things. And I want you to think about the root of all those things and all those issues, whether it be jealousy or these factions. Remember, they were following different teachers some were saying, I follow Paul, and some say, I was following Apollos and all this. They're trying to align themselves with different teachers to say, hey, look at how good I am. I'm with this guy, right? And it's all about me. Or the same thing with jealousy. Why do we get jealous over other people? Because we start to compare ourselves to them. And it's all about what I think based on them, and we're, we're comparing each other. And it's all very self-centered, me-centered, right? And that's what the natural man does. That's what we do. We want to make it all about us. And what we do and make us the center of all things. And it's all about me. And so what what happens is when we start to live it out that way, that's what it looks like. And so Paul says that's the the fleshly person. We get offended and we get jealous and we get these other things because we're so consumed with me and what I'm doing. And it's about me as opposed to what God's done for us. And so oftentimes we come to faith and we put our faith in God and we say yes, but then practically we start to live it out just still with me at the center and it's still all about me. And we all do this. It's not just new believers. We do it all through our life and we struggle with that and we go back and forth. It's because that's, that's our flesh. Our sin nature apart from God is self-centered. We want to make it all about me and what I do. Remember, that's what I was just saying. That goes back to the original sin. God says, trust me. And we say, I think I got it. I think I can do this myself. And we're constantly fighting against that. And as God comes in and he makes us new, he starts to turn us inside out. But we struggle with that. And so that's what Paul's dealing with here. 
And so you see this. He gives us this great picture of it. Look at verses one and two again of chapter three. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual, but as people of the flesh. And he says, as infants in Christ. And I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready. Uh, You are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still of the flesh. And he gives us this great picture. When we become a believer, I want you to think about it. We're, we're in our flesh. We're operating. It's all about me. And I save myself and I do all these things. And, and then when God opens our eyes, we go, I need a savior. I'm sinful. I'm messed up. I can't do this. God has to do it for me. And he starts to change us. But when that happens, it's like you're a baby, right? You're, you're, you've been born again. You now have spiritual eyes, but you're, you're brand new, just like a, a, a new child. And Paul makes that analogy here just like a child needs a bottle needs to be fed with milk and you've got to give it to them certain hours and all these things we're the same thing when our spiritual eyes are opened we're we're brand new but he says what should happen just like with a child you should start to grow and get stronger and move on to other things and you start to walk and talk and all those fun things that happen like my two-year-old now that's really really funny it's hilarious now that he's actually moving and talking and dancing and all the things that he does. But we we start to move and we start to grow and we start to 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 mature in those things. But I want you to think about the analogy he uses. He says it shouldn't be that way anymore. You're still stuck on this. Right. And so it's cute when a baby has a bottle when they're six months old or a year. It's not so cute if they're like 12 and they're walking around with a bottle and go, eh, that's probably not real good. And it's the same thing as a believer. Right. And so you become a Christian and we're we're new to our faith and we've got lots of questions and lots of things. And and we are like a baby and we're trying to sort those things out and we're and we're growing and we're learning. But if you've been a Christian for 15 years and you're still stuck on the same petty things you were stuck on when you first became a believer, Paul said it shouldn't be that way. There should be some growth and we should go forward in that. And that's that's the way it should look. And so that's what he's getting at and what he's telling us about and saying, you know, when we start to grow in that and the gospel starts to take root and we apply it to our lives, things start to change and we start to grow closer to him. And he says, you should be ready for the solid food and not just the milk. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the milk to the solid food, I often hear this. People will say, OK, well, we we get the basics of the gospel and now we've got to move on to deep theological things. Right. Like now we've got to get to, we say, the meat and the meat becomes like we're going to argue over end times. And it's like that's that's not really what we're talking about. Right. We, what, what we want to see happen is as we move further on and we move into that what we really want to see is applying the gospel to our hearts and it's changing us and we're putting it into every area of our life and not so we can argue about big theological things but so we can see how god's changing us from one degree of glory to the next and so when we start to say oh well this is the meat and this is uh, i've heard it said and i I love i use this often I, i think it was tim keller i want to give credit where i heard it i think it was tim keller i heard this that oftentimes we say uh, sometimes people will act as if the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ is the ABCs. And he says it's not the ABCs, it's the A to Z. It has to be in all things at all times in all ways. And so it's not like we get the gospel and then we move on to all the other things. The gospel has to be in and through all things at all times. And so when we talk about moving on, it's applying it into every area of our life. And in all things and seeing all things that we are through what God's done for us. 
And that's what we end up. And that's how we end up with the, the spiritual person. And that's the last one I want us to look at. Look at verse 15, because he says something here that can be easily misconstrued. gets misapplied a lot, gets trampled on a bunch. And so I want to make sure we hit on verse 15 just briefly. Anyway, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. And sometimes I hear that and you get stuff like uh, basically that's my free my freedom here. That's my uh, license to be a jerk. I can now judge all people and I can say all things because I'm a Christian and these people are not or I'm spiritual and they're not. So now I can judge all people and they can't tell me or I've heard it said people will say things like, uh, well, I'm a believer and they're not a believer, so I can't learn anything from them. Really? Because God's common grace is in all places and all times. And some of the greatest musicians and scientists and authors and writers and all this stuff may not be believers, but God still gives his grace in different ways and in different places. And so it doesn't mean that I want you to think about what it means, though, and what it's saying in the context of the passage. And remember, that's so important when we get to a verse, especially like this, where you kind of go, what exactly is that talking about? Because he just went from natural person to spiritual person and he's making this this comparison and he's now switching. I want you to think about this. The spiritual person, the person that now is putting their faith in God and what God has done for us versus putting faith in themselves, they see both sides of the coin. That makes sense, because as a believer, before you were a believer, you were operating in the same way as a natural person. It's all about me and what I do. And that's the way that that's our sin nature. That's how we operate. It's about me. And then when your eyes are opened and then you see who God is and what he's done for you and you realize it's not all about you. And it's about what God's done and how he saved you. You can now see both sides of it. Do you follow that? Right? Because in and of ourselves, our sin nature is that it's all about me and we can't see the other side. And so what Paul's saying is the spiritual person now sees both. They've lived on both sides of it. They've operated under self-sufficiency and it's all about me. And now they're operating. It's all about God and it's his grace. And so that changes the way we look at it, because now you can see different sides. I'll give you a perfect example, and I've heard this a lot. And maybe I hope this doesn't offend you because maybe you've asked this and you've thought the same thing. I've heard people ask me things like, so you think you know you're going to heaven. You would say, you know, you're going to heaven. And my answer when somebody asks me and I've had people ask me that I say, well, I know because of what Jesus has done for me. Yes, I am certain of my salvation and my future. I'm going to be in the new heavens and the new earth with God. And because of what he's done through Jesus and nothing else, it's all Jesus. It's not me. And thankfully, because of God's grace, then, yes, he's going to restore me and I'm going to be able to stand before him. And I'll hear I'll have people say, you're so arrogant. You think you're going to heaven. And, and, and what I just said, and I hope you hear me saying is the only reason that I'm going to be able to stand before God is because of what Jesus has done. I am a helpless, wretched sinner on my own, and I can never, ever do it. It is only what Jesus does. But if you are operating in the natural mind that it's all about what I do, that sounds arrogant. And you go, ah, can't believe you think this. You think you're better than me. And people will say that. And you go, well, wait a second. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. It is all only because of what God does for us. And they'll go, oh, I'm done with this. I've had that conversation before. And maybe you have, maybe you hear me saying that about going to heaven and I'm going to go to heaven because of what Jesus has done for me. And it sounds arrogant. 
And the reason is because in our natural mind, we think it's about what I do. And so when you hear me say that in the natural mind, you hear he thinks he's going because of what he's done. That could not be further from the truth. It is because of what God has done. And it is only in spiritual eyes of when he opens your eyes that we can even begin to grasp that. That we admit that we need a savior and we can't do it. Perfect example of the, of the spiritual person when this takes root is right here in verses 5 to 9. Look at what Paul says. Right? They're all fighting. Some are saying they're with Paul. Some are saying they're with Apollos. They're all over the place. And so what does he say? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. Do you understand what Paul's saying? This Paul's a perfect example of what the spiritual, truly spiritual person looks like. Right. He says the reason that uh, we're here at all. That I've come and Apollos has come as any of this has happened is because of God. And the reason that any of you are seeing this or there's any growth happening is because of God. Right. And he says he keeps saying he says that any reason that anybody has any faith anywhere is because God gives the growth and it's all him. And Paul says quit making it about me and Apollos or anybody else. It's not about me. And so the truly spiritual person starts to see and it starts to be revealed. It's all God and his doing all the way down the line for you to ever see it. And then for him to come to us and then for him to save us and then him to bring us. It's all God and his doing. And so it's only when we start to see that and when God starts to move and starts to work in his life that we start to get turned inside out. And it's no longer about me. It's about God. And so when somebody says, oh, that was a that was a great sermon today. That really got to me. That's not me. That is the Holy Spirit moving through God's eternal word. It's not me. And so when we start to go, oh, that guy's the greatest speaker is whatever. God is faithful. And God is moving in his spirit and through his word. And it's not people, it's him. And we are overrun by his grace that he even chooses to use us in any way at all. But it's all his doing. And it's all about him. And so as we get to the end here, you know, there's the the spiritual person and there's those that maybe say, yes, I believe, but I'm struggling and I and I go back and I fall into jealousy and all these things, that fleshly person. And there's a natural person that says, I don't need a savior and I'm good. And I want to just ask this morning as you sit here and as you think about it, which one are you? And if you're the natural person, you say, I don't know about this Jesus and I don't know about needing a savior And him doing for me, I just simply ask you this. What is your faith in? Because you're putting your faith in something. And if it's not in God and what he's done for us, then most likely it's in yourself. I want you just to really think about that this morning, if that's you. That God loves you and he wants you and he welcomes you and he says, you come this way I've provided and I give it to you by grace. But you've got to look to me can't come from within you. It comes from what God's done for us. Or maybe you're the fleshly. You would you would say as you hear this and you go, I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe, but I'm the fleshly. I'm struggling with these things and these different things. And there's two things I want to say. One is just a warning to you. 
and one is an encouragement, but start with the warning first. If it looks just like the natural person, right? If in every way of your life you walk down an aisle when maybe you were a child or you, or you said some things or whatever, you prayed this prayer, but nothing has ever changed in your life ever. You might be the natural person. And I'm I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm not speaking to anyone in particular. But that's for you to uh, go and and search your heart and ask those questions. Am I putting my faith in myself or am I putting my faith in Christ? Or maybe you're struggling with those things and you're you're walking along and it's one step forward and two steps back. And you're kind of, oh, I want to just encourage you as well. We all struggle at different times. And it doesn't mean you're not a believer if you've had struggles or you're struggling with these things. <clears throat> but I just simply say, if that's, if that's where you are and, and that's where you're struggling and you fall at, at different times, just believe in what God has done for you. Turn to him and look to him that he loves you completely and totally. And it's not dependent on your works. And it's not dependent on what you do, but what he does for you. And that he loves you that much. And when you start to see that. You want to follow him everywhere. You don't want it to be one little step here and one little step there. I want it to be, I want to run after him with everything I have. And so go back to the very heart of it. Don't leave the gospel behind and go, oh, I need to get into all these. Go back to the very heart of what God has done for you in Christ. Make that the center of your life and in everything. And when that starts to happen and you start to believe it and that he's taken my sins and that he loves me and that I'm now his daughter, his son, and he's completely accepts me through what Christ has happened. What starts to happen is you start to see how much you need him. Moment by moment, day by day, every way. And you start to say things like Paul says here. It's not me. It's God. The only way I can get out of bed is because of God's grace. The only way I can ever not be jealous is because of what God's done for me in Christ. The only way that I can ever begin to move in all these things. And then he does this work in you and it just grows and it grows and it grows. And then you're the spiritual person that he's calling you to be and wants you to be. And so that's that's my hope and my my prayers. We end today that no matter where you are, that that's where you would end. That you would be a truly what the Bible calls a spiritual person, a spiritual person that looks only to God and what he's done in Christ and nothing else. And that's your whole identity and that is your life because that's what you were made for. It's the way you were made to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious beyond all measure. That you do love us. That even when we are so inwardly focused and so hard-headed in the way that we just keep looking to ourselves, you just patiently wait on us and you keep pulling us back to you. And we thank you for that. We pray this morning, no matter where everyone is here today, wherever it be, that you would just take us step by step closer to you, that we would look to you, that we would truly become spiritual in the way that you've said that is giving ourselves over to your Holy Spirit, working in our lives through what you've done for us in Jesus. And that that would be our whole existence and being. We pray that you do a work in this place with these people in our community that you would use that and grow that. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.